Hey guys, this is episode 63, and it's part of a two-part series with episode 63 and 64, where I have a real discussion and the birth story from Bobby and Leslie and their child, Sojourner Wildfire. What an amazing name, right? It first came to be that I had met Bobby many years ago at a little musical venue in Charlotte, North Carolina called The Evening Muse. Bobby's a great musician and he happens to play with one of my best friends, Bucky Hayes. Bucky and his wife, Amy, who was featured in last week's episode, episode 62 with Homebody Movement, introduced me to this article from New York Magazine's The Cut that was then later picked up by USA Today. And it was on gender creative parenting or gender open parenting. And the title of the article was, It's a Baby. Is it possible to raise your child entirely without gender from birth? Some parents are trying. Not only did the article just captivate me and capture my attention, but it really hit home. You see, when this article came out in 2018, I had just learned that my husband was a transgender woman, and we were embarking on a journey of raising our children with a transgender parent, and they were only three and four years old. This article opened my eyes, and the following two episodes with Bobby and their partner, Leslie, really helped me in my healing journey and especially in my growth journey, learning more about gender identity, gender expression, parenting, and how to move forward in my own life with unconditional love. And to top it all off, they have an incredible birth journey and birth story. I hope that you will stick around for both episodes If you're pregnant now, have you ever considered gender open parenting? Is it something that's on your mind? I would love to hear from you. All right, let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions birth story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and absorbing all of the information that you need for an amazing pregnancy and birth. 
My pregnancy guidebook and journal called Birth Story is available at birthstory.com. And as a listener of this podcast, I want you to have $5 off. Like I want you to listen to this podcast and engage with the book. So just use code birthstorypodcast when you get to check out. It is my thank you for supporting me. This pregnancy guidebook and journal is the best gift for you or anyone you know that is expecting. It's a 42 week by week guide to your pregnancy. It has birth affirmations, weekly journaling prompts with a full page for journaling every single week. It has all of the information that you need to connect to your pregnancy and have an empowered birth. So thanks for shopping at birthstory.com. Don't forget to use code birthstorypodcast for your $5 off. It's also available on Amazon, or if you prefer the audiobook, you can download it on your Audible app or at audible.com. Now, let's get to this amazing episode. Welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. I've got Leslie and Bobby here today, and I actually have a co-host, Colin. Oh, hey. Colin, before we get started, why don't you like tell us a little bit about who you are? So I am a doula. I do fertility, birth, postpartum. I own doula differently because I believe that everyone's different and we all doula differently. And I'm a big advocate about supporting all birthing people. Language around birth is super important to me. And I grew up in Charlotte, but I lived in Cali, which was awesome because that's where I started my doula career. So today on the podcast, we have Leslie and Bobby out of Brooklyn. And I was hoping that you guys may take the take the mic and introduce yourselves. Okay. Hey, thanks, Heidi, for having us. Uh, so I'm, I'm Bobby, um, musician, music teacher, but for the past two, almost two and a half years, I've been a stay-at-home parent. Uh, and hi, I'm Leslie, and I'm a designer. I lead uh, design teams that work on mostly like digital things like apps and websites and um, help kind of build digital businesses. Do you work for yourself or do you work for a company? I work right now for an agency called Five. Oh, cool. So yeah. Leslie and Bobby, we are going to hear all about your pregnancy and your birth story and a little bit about like some parenting ideals. And so before we dig in, though, I like need to know a little bit more about you guys. So how did you meet? How long have you been together? Tell us a little bit about Brooklyn and what everyday life is like for you guys. We're counting on our fingers, but how long? <laughs> so it's a hard question. I'm like, I think 2011. Yeah, yeah, nine years. Yeah, so we we've been <laughs> together almost a decade, and we met at a uh, at a show that I was I was performing at in New York, and we were introduced to each other. We were like kind of three or four degrees removed, like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, maybe even, and uh, yeah, and then I saw Bobby on stage. I like I liked what I saw. <laughs> Did he, uh, made did he point at you, like, from the stage? No, Bobby's very focused. He's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like what you heard, though, Leslie? <laughs> yeah, of course. That's so, too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put a, a pause in right there, too. Hold on. I just said he. So, Bobby, do you have preferred pronouns? 
I was like on your Facebook it says like he him they them and so I was like what would you prefer that I use because I just said he so before we get too far into this podcast um Leslie and Bobby do you both have preferred pronouns for me it's Jier and then yeah for me I've been starting to use they them it would be cool if you use them but also I think if you use they them but I think that uh given the nature of the stuff we're talking about, like, and also I'm not like triggered or anything by he, him. It's like a very, been a very slow transition for me into those pronouns that like we could use it as like a, I think it's like, okay to admit, you know, that like, you know, people mess up and it's like, it's, I think it's even helpful for people to hear like somebody, you know, I'm not saying intentionally mess up, but I think it's helpful. I think people are confused about what to do when they say the wrong pronoun. And, uh, I think it just like could be valuable for people to hear. So what, I guess what I'm saying, if there's a slip up, I would just like roll with it. Okay. What's the slip? Do you want us to use they? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would like you to, yeah, it would be cool if you use they, them for me, but yeah. if you slip up, you know, just like just fix it and move on kind of thing. And Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to call myself out right now because we are recording a podcast that we are going to be talking a lot about pronouns and gender and gender identity versus biological sex and different things. And so right there, Bobby, I just my you know, this is part of our teaching on this podcast is right there as I'm like, Leslie, did you like the way he sounded on stage? And and let's correct each other. So the preferred pronouns for Bobby are they, them, and preferred pronouns for Leslie, she, her. And so I'm going to re-ask that question, Leslie. Did you like the way they sounded on I stage? Did. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't make a baby that night, but how old is your child? Um so we we uh so our kid is two and a half years old is that what the question was Sorry. Yeah. yeah yeah two and, two and you a half you want to know which night <laughs> yeah you want to know the details Bobby was distracted uh, about what they about? wanted to well that could be part of your story so that's a that's one of the questions that I would like to ask is did you have a fertility journey or were you is this a planned pregnancy or unplanned um kind of what was the story with getting pregnant yeah, maybe a small journey. Um, once we decided, I, I like—I mean, I, don't know, I like to say it took three tries. But once we decided, I think I—I I think I got pregnant like like the first, you know, real like planned try. But I actually had a miscarriage with that pregnancy uh, pretty early on. Around well, I knew around six weeks, and then I had the miscarriage around ten or eleven weeks. And then, you know, we gave it a little, little time and space and then tried again, but it didn't take too long. Um, and yeah, everything went really well after that. May I ask a question about your miscarriage? Yeah, definitely. I think it's something people should really talk about. Yeah. Um, and we don't do enough about sharing about loss, especially like when our inauguration into parenthood is lost in our womb space. So you said you knew at six weeks. Is that from like medical interventions you knew or did you just have a feeling? Yeah, I think that's when we went for an ultrasound and the doctor was not finding a heartbeat, but I'm like looking at Bobby, I'm like trying to remember those precise details. The doctor was finding a heartbeat and then I think it was, they said it was 
you know, maybe we should try again in like a week, maybe the timing's off. And then, you know, had another ultrasound a week later and it was, you know, confirmed that uh, it was not going to be a viable pregnancy. And then it was just debate about sort of, or discussion about what to do. I think doctors really push you to, I don't know the name of the procedure, do a kind of removal procedure. And I didn't want to do that. So I remember try, I tried some pills that are supposed to induce the miscarriage. I tried three rounds of that, which is fun to take a pill and then sit home and like kind of wait for something to happen. Uh, that didn't work all the three times. And then I tried some acupuncture. I can't say for sure what finally uh, took place too um, for the miscarriage to finally happen, but I did some acupuncture, took some herbs from my acupuncturist, and then I also ran a marathon. <laughs> then I had the miscarriage the next day. So maybe all of those things, maybe none of those things, maybe it was just timing, but uh, yeah, that time between like six weeks and 11 weeks was really kind of strange and, and hard. Yeah. Can we talk about how amazing it was that you just casually mentioned, I ran a marathon. <laughs> I know. Like, like just run of the mill. I ran a marathon. I can barely walk a mile. So, like, I'm very impressed with you. Right. So you're pregnant. You know that a miscarriage is coming. And I'm assuming, are you, are, do you train for a marathon or are you just marathon ready? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that fit. No, we were both actually really training, like, I don't know. I mean, pretty seriously together. And then, and then I got pregnant. I mean, it kind of happened like more quickly than we thought. And so I, you know, sort of stopped, I don't know, actually we kept running a little bit, but you know, I took it down a notch just to like, see what was up with the pregnancy and then, you know, and then wasn't really training as well. So I'm a little like kind of uh, competitive with myself, especially when it comes to sports. So since I fell off my training, I wasn't going to run the marathon because I didn't think I would get my best my best time. But my, actually, my acupuncturist, who is so awesome, also stepping in as a therapist, was like, "Leslie, what's the worst that can happen?" And I said, "I don't know. I have a miscarriage like on the marathon course." <laughs> and she's like, "Let me tell you how miscarriages work. You're not just gonna like start bleeding and fall down in the middle of the road. You'll have like little cramps, and then maybe." be like a little bleeding and then you'll like get in a car and you'll go home it'll be fine and so uh yeah that's sort of what's the worst that's gonna happen talk uh really motivated me to go ahead and do it i mean bobby and i ran together that was the other thing that was oh awesome that's awesome oh that's incredible so who had to pace for who but I was in much better shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you I, lagged in the middle and then I fell apart at I the wanna, end. I want to point out that like, uh, and I'm glad you brought this subject up, Leslie was like, I just think like a warrior because I don't know if you remember, but like a, a lot, basically after we found out that uh, about the miscarriage, um, that it was inevitable Leslie basically stopped. I mean, there was like, there was no space for talking about a marathon. So Leslie just like stopped and we didn't even really talk about training. And then she just like basically approached me and was like, I think I want to still do this race. And so it was no longer about like getting a fast time or anything like that. It was just like, I just was like amazed that yeah, that, that she wanted to run given, you know, just how like a, just where our, all our emotions were at. So I was just like, I was just in awe and it was a real, so it really was like an incredible experience. It's such like a beautiful foreshadowing too. I'm very big about like paradigm shifting. They compare birth and laboring and pregnancy so much mm -hmm. to running a marathon 
And so the fact yes. that she did that successfully is so beautiful to look at that she still had that, you know, capability and that passion and that drive to do something that was coming, which is really amazing. Yeah. And there, I mean, this is the language that we use when we're doing childbirth education is like preparing for mm. a marathon. So here you were in the middle of it. Leslie, I'm going to ask you both actually a personal question. I'm going to start with you, Leslie. When you were going through the first pregnancy and the miscarriage, did you already feel like a mom? Mm, I don't, I don't think so. I think it still kind of felt more like a concept. Um, And then related note, but maybe small deflection. I don't really call myself a mom now. Even. I don't know. I've never really like gravitated towards it. I'm not like offended if someone okay. said like, hey, Sorry. wildfire's mom. <laughs> but I don't know. Bobby and I chose, both chose not to use mom and dad. I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't feel like me. So that would also probably be the other reason I didn't feel like a mom then because I, I don't know. I don't think in my mind that's what I was preparing for. Yeah. Well, I guess I will rephrase that for Bobby then too. Is, um, and I ask that because parents interpret miscarriages very differently um, mm-hmm. sometimes when one is carrying and one is not. And so it sounds like you guys were really connected in that experience. But Bobby, I wanted to see from like your parental perspective, like w- what that was like for you. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was, it was a big change, the idea of getting pregnant and having a kid. So like I was working on kind of overcoming my fears. I was almost like, I guess you could say, you know, the phrase, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. And I was really like trying to be like as psyched up as I can in a way to just kind of like really I don't know, really like get used to the idea, even though I was like terribly scared of becoming a parent. And I was like, maybe like even overly felt like a parent, I think, because of how like, how hard I was leaning into it to overcompensate for my own fears. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it makes 100% sense. You know, I think it's one of those things, just like the fake it till you make it, it's almost like the practice of radical acceptance where you're like, okay, we're doing this. We're going to make this happen. And like, how do I move forward? And then it sort of becomes part of your being where you just accepted that you're doing it. And so how do I do this successfully? And how do I do this as the best version of me? Um, which I think is amazing. I wanted to ask, so y'all don't use the um, term mom and dad. What term do you prefer? Oh, we say we we're, we consider ourselves parents. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and to I mean to to other people and to wildfire, we just we actually we go by our names, so they just very cute. Wildfire little, calls us Bobby and Leslie. Bobby Leslie. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, this is incredible, but we haven't yet addressed how amazing the name Wildfire is. God, it's so cool. I mean, <laughs> before yeah. this interview, our top what was our top name, Colin? Um. My client's name, her baby was Juniper, was, is Juniper Fawn. Yes. So I would say Juniper Fawn was at the top of our list. She had a bonnet named after her. So now we're going to have to submit something to have Wildfire, you know, named after them. Yes, I think yeah. Wildfire. Does Wildfire have a middle name? Does it get better? Oh, my God. I've been so actually, actually, yeah, so the full, their full name is like. So Wildfire is their middle name. Um, their full name is Sojourner Wildfire 
Floyd. So what you're saying is it does, does get, get cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like a there's like a story for like each of those names. Yeah. Okay, tell it. Tell it. Well, I think namesake is so important and I would love for Wildfire to hear this one day and understand more about their namesake. Cool. Yeah, I'll do it and I'll try to con- condense it. But like so 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 obviously it was like um Sojourner speaks for itself. You know, they're named after Sojourner Truth. Yeah, it was um, important for, I think, me to have, or at least very powerful for me to have their name connect with Black history. And this was the name and, and person that resonated with me the most, I think. Yeah, so they're named after Sojourner Truth. And then Wildfire was, Wildfire is the nickname of a black sculptor from the 19th century, maybe turn of the century. And I just like, I don't know, first of all, I love the way it sounds and it's got a connection to nature, which we were kind of like looking at. They were born December, 2017. So this is like us trying to come to grips with like, I mean, what's been like a really messed up system forever, but like, you know, Trump in office. And so like, I love the idea of a wildfire is this like, it's a beautiful process in nature and where like everything gets kind of burned to the ground to make for new growth. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's such a beautiful metaphor for what I see is like, figuratively speaking, obviously, but like what I see needs to be done to a lot of these systemic issues that we have that we're trying to like kind of just plug up the leaks. So I really like that name as a metaphor. And then their last name <laughs> is Floyd, <laughs> which is not either our last names. And um, we it's named after the town, a town that we had our commitment ceremony in, in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. It's basically my favorite place in the world. And um, we couldn't decide on a last name, like between the two of us, nothing felt right. So we just. And both names was way too long. Both names. Yeah. We actually, for like one week, for about one week, their last name was, their name was Sojourner Wildfire Fleischman McCullough. And like, and then we were just like, what are we doing? Like, I mean, Leslie doesn't have the same last name as me. I don't have the same last name as her. And then to give Wildfire Fleischman McCullough, they wouldn't even have the same last name as us. They'd have like this hybrid. It just was like, I don't know, just like everything else. We just like kind of question why we're doing something. Um, And I kind of like, I like love to question why we do the things we do in society. And I didn't really come up with like a good strong answer about why I needed their last name to be the same when we don't have the same last name. So some people were like, that's going to be problematic. And we're like, give us an example. I dare you. (laughs) You can't come up with any real reason why you have to have the same last name. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so, yeah. So So I just want to, I just want to do a quick recap. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) They have an amazing name. I thought about it a little bit. Yeah, we put a lot of thought. There was like a lot of panic. This was like some down to the wire type stuff. I mean, like. Yeah, also, yeah, we were still debating. And Wildfire was actually born like three weeks early. So then, you know, you're like in the hospital with those papers staring at you. We're like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. We were literally like Wildfire sleeping in like whatever, like a bassinet, you know, next to the bed, you know, in the hospital. And 
Leslie and I just like writing the names, like changing the order, going back and forth, like what are you like really deciding? I mean, like as last minute as it gets. So and then think, we still went back and changed the last name. Yeah, we did. We changed it after we left, like a week later. I think we can speak. I can, you know, I'm going to speak for Heidi. You nailed it. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Last minute, you nailed it. We're going to get into parenting and talking about, you know, parenting with different pronouns, parenting with, without the concept of gender identity and biological sex and that kind of thing. And so, um, and we had to take a turn when my kids were about two or three years old down this journey that Leslie and Bobby, you guys started on, it sounds like, but with this namesake and Sojourner and Wildfire and Floyd and Maximus and Danger. And um, (laughs) one of the things that I tell my own child that's very important is that like mommy and daddy took a guess. We looked at your biological sex and we took a guess. But at any point you have the right to tell us that you don't like your name. You don't like your first name, your middle name, your last name, and that maybe the the pronouns that we're using don't identify with you. And so my six and four-year-old very much have a understanding of that. But I wanted to bring that up because namesake is part of this freedom too. Like we give these names, but I think it's also important that we give our children the freedom at any point to change or choose even the most radically cool name (laughs) like sojourner wildfire so okay so leslie and bobby as we dig into your birth story and your parenting journey a little bit deeper i want to just back up before we move forward and that's on this podcast specifically is about advocacy and so the first mention of advocacy in your story was not letting or allowing the doctors to tell you what to do with your body when you were having a miscarriage and so I think it's really important for anyone who's listening if you happen to suffer a loss that you still have choice you still have autonomy and authority over your body you can choose to to miscarry naturally which can take many many weeks more than a month um, for your body to let go of the pregnancy and that there isn't a sense of urgency to let go of the pregnancy unless you choose that for your body in combination with your provider. So I have a lot of respect for you, Leslie, that I heard advocacy from the very beginning of your birth journey. And so I want to share that. And so I'm going to pivot with that tidbit of information. So you discover that you're pregnant again. And this is where I'm really just have like a healthy curiosity for your vision for parenting. Was this language around like the things that we've already talked about, like not feeling like mom or dad, but feeling more like Leslie and Bobby or like a parent? And how did you arrive at the decision or was it not even a decision at all? It just is that you would raise your child just to be a child. I don't think we had much of any of that sort of figured out in advance. It kind of evolved as we were, you know, not just getting closer and like imagining this new life and like sharing news and, and thinking about how it felt when we were sharing sharing news and updates. And uh, um, I don't know, Bobby, Bobby remembers very vividly this article that inspired them. Uh, for us to go down this gender open parenting journey. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also not sure about the titles, but it probably was a mix of hearing people kind of refer to us that way before Wildfire was born and it not feeling, at least for yeah. me, and not feeling right. Yeah, so we, we do something called gender open parenting, which is also called gender creative parenting. And we, it was brought to my attention that this was even an option um, while Leslie was pregnant, this, this second pregnancy. Um, I read an article about a Canadian parent who was fighting to um, not have a um, gender or sex marker on their kid's uh, health card. It's a little different in Canada, but basically just like pretty much like a birth certificate or something like that, or like a passport or something. Yeah, so in the article, it you know, it said that uh, this parent, you know, they didn't assign their kid a sex or gender at birth and was, you know, using a neutral pronouns, they, them, until their kid was old enough to decide on their own. And then they would go with whatever the kid wanted. And it was, to me, it was, it was very, very, very quick. Like, it's basically, as soon as I read it, it just completely aligns with everything else we already believe in and the way that we think about basically adults and kids already. We just never thought about it being an option that we could just uh, just give our kid like this blank canvas. And yeah, so I, I mean, I called Leslie like pretty much right after I finished the article. I was like so excited that she asked me to basically like okay, like take a breath and like, we'll talk about it when I get home from work. And, um, and we did, and it didn't take that long. It didn't take that long for us to like, really like kind of, I don't think so. Right. To like, I don't think I knew anyone using those pronouns at the time. So there was like sort of a lot of newness to digest, but like, like that, like conceptually it made total sense. It was just sort of like operationally, logistically, like what, you know, there were just like, I don't know, things to wrap my head around. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, this stuff, this does make sense. This is great. I think it's so amazing that you provided wildfire the gift of a blank canvas. So in the sense that this is something, the type of parenting, you know, that is organically developed for y'all. It's one of those things where if you have a piece of art and you want to turn it into something new, you have to do a lot more work to make it a new canvas. However, if you start with something blank, you get to put a totally different amount of effort in and you gave your child such a gift to start their path with a blank canvas that they get to make beautiful in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I mean, to keep with the, I've never actually even used that analogy before. It just kind of came up, but uh, I mean, I haven't used it in this sense, but to keep, yeah. I mean, and I guess the idea is like that we are giving them like all the, all the colors, all the experiences, all the different types of art mediums and, you know, to kind of like, so that they, you know, have like all these choices, you know, and beyond. So, yeah, I mean, listen, the short version is we would never assume anybody's sex or gender based on their genitals. So like, we just applied that to our baby and um and that's that's yeah that's it 
Well, I really appreciate you guys taking a stand on this and speaking out and being on the podcast. And I just can't wait to dig into your birth story and kind of a little bit of logistics with like family and nursing Mm -hmm. staff and Mm -hmm. providers. And, you know, there's, I mean, a million questions come up, but I just first, before we proceed, just want to say thank you and how important this type of parenting is because it prevents situations like mine where my partner found themselves at 35 years old, married in love with their soulmate, a parent to two children, and wasn't raised with the freedom to think and create and be. And it turns out from the time my partner was born they identified more as a girl and as a female and as a mom. And, um, you know, I hope that with more gender open parenting that we have just more, um, less of my story and less of Kaylee, my partner's story and more, um, and less suicidality, and suicide attempts like um, hit our family um, firsthand. So like it's this concept we're just kind of talking about, but the consequence of not doing this and not having this conversation is raising another generation of humans to be confused or ashamed or put into a box. Then they end up 35 married trying to take their life because they don't think that the people around them love them enough to just let them be who they are. And so thankfully in in our story and why I'm having you guys on the show and why this is such an important topic to me is like thankfully my partner came home and wrote me a letter and said um, her truth and around her was an entire family and friends and of people ready to just allow her to become. So it's very different when we just allow our children to just become from the time that they're born without their biological sex getting in the way. So um, there's my preach. What's interesting, I am a member of the LGBTQI plus community and the terminology even within that community compared to how it is now um, was almost made me feel like I was put in a box because I didn't identify with some of the specific letters that were available at the time. And so it's one of those things where I really struggled with who I was because even in a more, you know, community that I identified with, I felt like I didn't have my niche. I felt like I didn't have my place. And it was really hard for me because I was trying to navigate who I was and who I identified with. And so the fact that you're providing a type of parenting from the beginning to allow wildfire to, you know, understand that they don't have to put themselves in a box, that their box can be wildfire, you know, and that and is bl- burn it up wildfire yep, burn up know? the box yeah and it's just it's it's amazing the way that you've let everything organically develop i well, like I'm, i love that leslie just went with it she's like yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it speaks a lot about your partnership. I think it's really, really, really cool. Yeah, so. I love it. I just wanted to add, uh, you know, first of all, I mean, I'm so incredibly happy that Kaylee is here and living and it sounds like thriving. And, um, uh, you know, so I think an important statistic to, to know is that it's like over 40% of trans people attempt suicide. So that's, that's a lot. That's like, a, that's, that's, a, it's a lot. It's an alarming number. It's a, it's a, a number that we should like as a society be like ashamed of. And, um, you have, if you, if you take, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how I, I know that these act, these numbers are not accurate because it's, it's not a safe, we don't live in a safe world. It's not safe for every trans person to come out. But if you take the current statistics and you look at the, the percentage of people that are trans, and then you take the, you do the math and you add the percentage of, you take the 40, 40 plus percent that are, that will attempt to take their life. As a parent, you have more of a chance of having a trans kid who attempts at some point suicide than you do having a kid that drowns. And if you think about all the precautions that we take to prevent kids from drowning, we take it very seriously. Um, it only makes sense to take this statistic very seriously. From my research and going through this experience with Kaylee, like kind of what we had have found in the groups that we support in is that on a daily basis, Kaylee doesn't doesn't feel safe. The data suggests that um, any trans person like the death rate, it's the murder rate, the murder rate of trans persons per year is disproportionately higher for um trans persons i didn't know if that added an extra layer at all into your into your parenting decision if gender what we're doing with wildfire like our parenting style our decision to not assign them a sex or gender and use they them pronouns this is like way bigger than our family this is way bigger than even gender open parenting this is about like the the safety and well-being and just like rights of trans and queer people. It's about like a societal shift and away from super problematic thinking such as like sex and gender as, as a binary and like how hurtful that can be. And also just like, you know, our ideas about, you know, associating body parts with, with genders and sex and so it's this is like we feel like this it's like we're part of this a broader fight like a, a yeah and this is way bigger than us yeah well I'm fighting it standing by your side and I'm just kind of I feel like I'm almost doing it in reverse. Like I started parenting in one way and now I'm wildly parenting mm. in a different way, you know, cause we're not going to be here forever, but they will be. And so making that mark on our children is a huge deal. 
Yeah. And the advocacy is never is never ending. And so part of the advocacy piece I really want to dig into, especially if anyone's listening to this podcast. And this is like there's going to be someone, Leslie and Bobby, who like this podcast is like that Canadian article that you read for them. And that's Mm going to be a changer. And so um, not to pressure us into your birth story, Leslie. But I could only um, hope. I mean, that would be like. That would be amazing. Yeah, Yeah, because I really want to talk about where the advocacy begins in the pregnancy, through the labor, through the birth, the delivery. And then, you know, we need 10 more podcasts to talk about, like, the parenting journey, right? Um, But if someone's pregnant right now and they're listening and this is really resonating, Leslie, I just want to, like, start. I want to take a turn and I want both you and Bobby to share how how did your pregnancy go and after making this decision how did you communicate this choice with family friends co-workers you know just if you could kind of take me from finding out you were pregnant to to Bobby coming home with this article making this decision and then how the rest of your pregnancy unfolded for both of you yeah, like specifically with the gender opening, open parenting. Well, I mean, just your choices. pregnancy also. Like, yeah. how how did you feel? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. did you have hypertension? You know, were you totally yeah. healthy? Yes, I would love to know, like, all about your pregnancy and then kind of sprinkled in, I should say, primary yeah. focus on how your pregnancy was and then sprinkled in how those conversations went, like, with, like, you know, did you have a baby shower? Um, yeah. Did, did um, you know, people, as soon as you get the 20-week ultrasound, sound if you even choose to have it side note they want to know did you find out the biological sex of your child and then they want you to share that with them and so yeah yeah I mean I think like sort of physically uh, it was just just was like pretty pretty great pretty easy as far as pregnancies go I feel really lucky with that I mean the first few months I was just kind of like there was you know, a little nauseous, a little low energy, but nothing that really um, stopped my my work or, or anything like that. And then from there, yeah, I just stayed like really active, and I don't know, I didn't really have. I feel very lucky. I don't. I didn't really have any problems at all. Oh, good. Did you I keep running? Can't think of anything. I kept running through. I I had like twenty two or twenty four weeks, something like that, in my my mind, and I only stopped because I just felt like as I would uh, kind of make my way to live next to like a really big park, because I would kind of cut through the streets, make my way to the park to go running. I get. I, I don't. I don't think I was being paranoid. I think this was really happening. But people would kind of like. I could tell they were like watching, and they would point. And I heard someone go, "That's not good." And I was like, "Maybe I'll just take my exercising journey inside." <laughs> like it was just making me uncomfortable. But I'm pretty well aware that that is safe and and healthy to do. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So Um, did you have um, some of the normal tests done, like gestational diabetes tests, the ultrasounds? Like, tell me, like, what your like your care plan was. Were you planning a home birth, a hospital birth, a birth center birth? Were you working with a midwife, a free birth? I mean, I don't really know anything about what you planned for your prenatal care. Yeah. 
so so like many like many things with us that that aspect was a real evolution and it's like as we learned more about the kind of choices you could make or the options that were out there we like kind of did a 180 but i started off like with a like a very i wasn't really thinking about it it was like a very medical kind of experience like i was seeing a doctor at Wild Cornell who was amazing, but I only went there because I got a referral from, you know, a friend who was um, like having uh, some fertility challenges. And and then I saw I was through 38 when I was pregnant. And so, you know, everyone had it had like it was planted in my mind that I was like high risk and I should go to like a high risk doctor at Wild Cornell. And, you know, they like interview you to decide if they're going to take you on. And so, you know, I was like accepted by this doctor and that's what I was doing. So, so it was really like textbook, like, you know, a, a bazillion ultrasounds, like all the tests, they like, you know, measured maybe twice. I think most of them do that one, I, all those things. And I got like super paranoid about the statistics um, just around um, like chromosomal, like is that the right word, chromosome, <laughs> chromosome abnormalities. And so decided to do a CVS. Um, and of course, like with all last minute decisions found, like decided to do that like the day before the deadline. <laughs> but, um, and uh, yeah, and so, so that felt like hyper medical. And then somewhere after we got a doula, who are the most amazing people in the world, and the doula started asking us like questions about how, what we were, um, what we had in mind for birth, what was like our ideal sort of birth story and birth journey. And then we just started to learn so much more about the options. And we were like, and actually our doula was really cool. She's like, I'm not supposed to tell people what to do or make recommendations. I'm just here to support you and what you want. She's like, but I don't think you're at the right hospital. <laughs> like, I don't think that this setup is going to give you what you want. Have you considered a midwife? And so um, kind of last minute around, you know, 30 weeks, mm -hmm. we just went into like hyper, we're like, yes, that is what we need. And we went to like hyper research mode, <clears throat> trying to find a midwife that would also take insurance and would also take, you know, accept a client like late, like so far along in pregnancy. Um, but yeah, we ended up with a great midwife that I think I saw twice before going to labor. <laughs> and so, was the midwife for home birth or for hospital oh, birth or birth center birth? Uh, yes, that was also part of the consideration. I think in my Again, I think in my mind, I kind of wanted to do a home birth, but I just couldn't get out of my head. Like you're 38, there might be a problem. And, I, and so I just kind of chose this middle ground where we chose a midwife who delivered in a hospital that has a birthing center. So ideally I would be in like a birthing center room, um, but obviously then there was like the option for, there was and yeah, the, the staff and equipment for more medical intervention if it came to that. Yeah, I think that was beautifully said as a middle ground. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah I really do you want to give your doula a shout out because they sound really amazing. Yeah, Molly Lorienzo. Yeah, she was great. Okay. Actually, Bobby did. I think Bobby like basically interviewed all of the doulas <laughs> presenting. Bobby did so much of the hard work during this pregnancy to like make this birth what we wanted it to be. Um, but yes, Bobby found Molly and then we talked and we met and we all felt really great about it. Yeah. Good job. Good job. So Bobby, how was this pregnancy for you? I mean, you know, again, like the first one, I think at some point I just like 
went into go mode, I was starting to like reduce the amount of hours that I was working in preparation to kind of be around more um, and eventually be fully a stay-at-home parent. So I had the time to do a lot of the research and yeah, I think a lot of doulas actually found it odd that I was meeting, like I was just going by myself, like to meet. And like, when we switched to the midwife, people hadn't even strained Oh yeah, reaction. that's right. And then we, and I met like, a bunch of midwives. Are you a birthing parent? Yeah. But you know, Leslie was just busting her ass at work, you know? And, uh, and so that's how, that's how we had to do it. That's how we were able to get things done. We really like make a good team in that way. And but yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, you know, I was so happy that Leslie had a pretty easy go this, you know, this pregnancy and it's pretty it's good. Pretty, I would wish yeah. that type of pregnancy to everyone. And I think what people need to hear Leslie and Bobby from you too, is that it's not too late to ever change when you are pregnant and you are planning your birth. I mean, especially we're recording this like uh, July 16th, 2020. It's in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And there's a lot of changes going on in birthing and people making last minute decisions to home birth or to birth center, switching to midwives or something in your pregnancy has you go the other direction and switching to obstetrician care. And um, so I think that's an important part of your story is that it is never too late to mm-hmm. be able to speak up and use your voice mm-hmm. and change. And, um, and, and so good for your doula to have prompted that and for Bobby to have been available to go and, and interview and make that happen. So I want to answer the question, like everyone that listens to this podcast is like, how did you know that you were in labor? <laughs> What does the day of labor look like? And you already gave us like a little hint that um, Wildfire was born three weeks early. And so um, I'm dying to know, (laughs) like, what happened? Yeah, I totally am going to stop there. So skip ahead to episode 64 for the full birth story of Sojourner Wildfire with Bobby and Leslie and to learn just a little bit more about gender open parenting. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.